Hello and welcome to a new season and a new episode of the Land Party Lawyers podcast. To our regular listeners, welcome back. And to our new ones, on this podcast, we tackle issues at the intersection of video games, law, and business. My name is Steve, and for this episode, I'm joined by my friend and a former host of this podcast, Nick Brown. Uh, Nick, as you know, is no longer... Um, a, a colleague of mine at the firm, but we're still very much uh, connected, and he is a going to be as we kind of re, restart up Land Party Lawyers this season, a regular contributor to the podcast. And so we're that's we're, right. We're kind of shaking despite up my despite my best efforts. I, I can't shake Steve. Uh, I can't quit you, and uh, I'm no <laughs> longer a host, but I'm excited to stay involved as a contributor. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, being part of it going forward. And we're looking forward, and, and we're looking forward to that too. We're we're actually going to shake up the podcast a little bit. We're going to focus, drill down more on the legal issues, and keep it informative, engaging. And again, at its heart, we always wanted this to be educational. Uh, we'll still have interviews, and uh, you can also uh, be on the lookout for new voices as well, other contributors and. Uh, colleagues will join me on the podcast to host other episodes. So what hasn't changed, however, you know, yeah, just when that happens, listeners, you know, grade them on a curve, they, they may not be as experienced. So, you know, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but what hasn't changed is that nothing we say is, is legal advice, especially uh, stuff coming out of Nick's mouth. If anything, just kind of <laughs> accept the opposite is true. <laughs> Without further ado, uh, on this episode, we're going to be explaining the legal framework for esports gambling. And so, Nick, I'm going to start it off by asking you a question. And this is really, if you, depending on how you answer it, this could be a short podcast. But uh, <laughs> is, it, best. is it legal to gamble on esports? Uh, that's an excellent question uh, and, and timely. Uh, generally, the answer is no, it is not legal to gamble on esports. Uh, and to understand why, we're going to have to talk about gambling generally, but as you'll see, uh, there are some enormous exceptions to that rule, uh, some that are big enough to drive a truck through, uh, but you have to be careful about uh, when and where and how you do it. So just basically gambling, uh, what is it? As, as, what are we talking about today and what are we not talking about? Uh, gambling is viewed differently, state to state, country to country, uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but... Basically, there's three common elements that you'll find. Uh, one is consideration. It's the thing that you risk, the thing that you pay. Uh, chance is the second one, which is some element of luck or, or, or randomization uh, as opposed to skill. And then third is the prize, the winning. It's something of value that you, you can get back, uh, whether it's your investment, whether it's more, whether it's something else. Those are kind of the three pieces that that generally make up the puzzle of, of, a, of a, a, an act of gambling. And it's important to highlight what gambling is not, right? Just as you said, uh, what, it, what gambling is not. Sweepstakes or prize-less or without a prize, chance-based games or skill-based games. Uh, those are all contests or activities that are generally lawful, uh, but many of those regulated in, in other ways. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Our focus is going to be zeroed in on gambling, that activity in and of itself. So if at some point- Put, a, put away your, your sweepstakes uh Exactly. Don't come at me with your, this is a skill-based game, because we're not talking about those. We're talking about Because we don't play skill-based games. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> most, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> you're, you're all chance. A lot of Hearthstone going on these days, as, as usual. <laughs> right. Um, so um, other key important thing to keep in mind for gambling is that gambling activities occur in kind of two different places at once. It, it, it definitely occurs where the better resides and and also where the better service is offered, the better, O-R, okay? So in that vein, taking bets from people in the U.S., uh, even though you operate in a foreign country, will still subject you to U.S. laws uh, pretty much. So that's just something right. else to keep it's in a mind. Both, yeah, it's, it's a both situation, not an either or. Right, right. So Nick, why don't you give us a little a brief history lesson on gambling regulation in the U.S.? Sure. Uh, just you know, from a 30,000-foot view, uh, all the way back in, in 1961, there was only one uh, state that allowed legal and regulated gambling. As you might imagine, that was Nevada, uh, where, where Las Vegas is. Um, there were no state lotteries or tribal casinos. Yet. Uh, and yet, right. They were, they were all just waiting. Um, but then in 1978, uh, the state of New Jersey allowed gambling uh, as a uh, method to help revitalize the famous Atlantic City area. Bring it, bring it and, back to the Boardwalk Empire days. Uh, yeah, exactly. Great show. Um, and then based on the success of that, in the 1980s, uh, we began to see Indian casinos popping up all over the place. Uh, and of course, fast forward to today, uh, oh, pretty much every state allows some form of gambling. Uh, but it's it's the exceptions that are allowed. It's generally a prohibition, but then followed by a series of exceptions. And in that regard, the federal government, it, it created a set of laws uh, that allow it to prosecute illegal gambling activities. Um, and when you think federal, a lot of times you think across state lines. So that's, uh, for example, the Wire Act outlaws using wire communications to engage in illegal gambling across state lines as a general matter. So because of that whole framework, you you kind of have three different entities that are regulating gambling. You have states, Indians, uh, Indian law, and then you have uh, the federal government. So it's it's really complicated morass, really. Uh, but let's get into sports. Um, so Nick, why don't you tell us about the his brief history of gambling on sports? Sure. So that was gambling generally. Uh, sports specifically, in 1992, uh, Congress passed the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, uh, which is abbreviated PAPSA. PAPSA. Um, it's fun to say. Yeah. It, I feel like they could have come up with some, some better acronyms, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, what that did is it basically prohibited sports wagering. But then recently, uh, in 2018, a couple of years ago, uh, the United States Supreme Court overturned PAPSA in a case called Murphy on the basis that PAPSA had infringed on the individual state's legislative processes. It said that the states uh, should be allowed to to handle those things themselves. So, so bringing us up to speed, uh, since that case and through the end of 2020, there were about 14 states to allow online sports wagering, with another six or so uh, that are closely examining the issue. And yeah. others are probably moving in that direction as well. So you have New Jersey, which was I'm really- I'm sure they're all pretty consistent with one another, right, Steve? Oh, you would think, uh, but no, they're, <laughs> they're all over the place uh, when it comes to the types of regulatory schemes that they're considering. So you have uh, some states that allow in-person betting, prohibiting online betting, right? So you have to go to the casino in order to bet. Got to show up in person. Right. And then others are the exact opposite, where it's only online betting. With in-person betting show prohibited, up in person. right? Do not, do not come to the door. Uh, and then there are others that allow both. So that's why they're they're all over the map. Uh, uh, excuse the pun, so to speak. Right. Um, so 
what what you're left with is it's really hard to have um you know a nationwide or a multi-state organization when these schemes are incompatible with one another and that's why um the legal compliance in this area is is the opposite of it's far from simple it's really it's pretty complicated yeah. so if you if you had a an operation in multiple states you may have to have them run just fundamentally differently uh, because they cannot be compliant with both states' law at the same time. Right. You have like a a, a New Jersey operation, a Pennsylvania operation, um, Florida operation, what have you. Uh, and so then we also have gambling online, right? And and that it, in and of itself is also regulated. New, Nevada was the first state to allow for it. Let's just gambling online separate and apart from sports betting. Always always leading the, the pack there. Yeah. Uh, that And New, New Jersey in this area for sure. Uh, but through the 2001 Interactive Gaming Act, um, that law eventually limited to where you had to be physically located in the state in order to, to gamble. But that allowed for gambling online within the state. So if you were uh, a resident and you lived in Nevada, you could gamble there. All right. So- we did gambling in general. We did gambling on sports. Mm-hmm. So now it's the big ticket item, gambling on esports. And basically, you know, one thing to take home is that right now only a few states allow it or at least um, are clear that they allow it. But even so, it's already uh, a, a very significant enterprise. It's estimated to be a $1.5 billion industry with a B. And uh, according to the... Um, the the analysts, it's experiencing a thirty percent average year on year revenue increase, which is enormous. Uh, but it's you know kind of consistent with what we've seen from the esports industry in general over the past few years. Right. So enormous opportunity and already big dollars in this space. And so in two thousand seventeen, we have Nevada who that revised its wagering law to allow for wagering on quote unquote or other event. And it's that language that has allowed for gambling on esports to be permitted on <laughs> those, a case by case basis. Those three words are uh, doing a lot of work there, huh? Yeah. Well, it's it, it's an other event, right? So adding that language allowed for basically um, operators to ask whether or not these particular matches could be um, whether on esports gambling would be allowed for these particular matches. And so this has actually already happened for a number of games including League of Legends, Overwatch, CSGO, and Dota 2, which are consistently like the top uh, three or four uh, games that are, are um, most bet on esports. Um, yeah, they, they tend to travel together, right? right. And so, um, you know, and- there's also New Jersey. So, Nick, why don't you tell us a little about New Jersey, how they do it? That was exactly, you read my mind, Steve. Uh, so, remember, we mentioned New Jersey allows sports gambling, uh, but... The law in New Jersey, uh, bear with me here, it prohibits esports betting. That's backwards. By putting esports in the same category as high school sporting events, which you can't bet on in New Jersey. However, why? uh, This this is a whole podcast about exceptions. Um, And so uh, the exception to that is events that are international and where more than 50% of the players are over the age of majority, 18. Then they can have esports betting on that exception to the exception. And one famous example is in November of 2019, New Jersey allowed betting on the League of Legends World Championship. Uh, it was, was one of the you know the frequent flyers here. And I asked you why that the state had had done that, but now that you explained, it, you know, it has to do with it. When, once you explain the exception, it makes sense. 
we're trying to make sure that this particular event that we will otherwise allow is involving people, you know, not minors. It involves adults over the age of 18. And it's if it's international. Or at least, or at least most of them. Yeah, you know, and then with respect to the international <laughs> flair of it, I, I mean, I don't know if I fully understand why. Other than it's just it, it might be um, uh, better organized and and have some sort of uh, framework and structure to it that it's not something that's fixed, which we we'll get to in a second. Um, so and that's New Jersey. It's actually it's actually it's not allowed in that state unless. Uh, yeah, big I mean, it, you ask why internationally. It 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 doesn't seem coincidental to me that the one that they allow was already running internationally uh, and and very lucrative. So that that might be a cart in front of the horse situation, but. Nonetheless, that's that's uh, how it works generally. Right. So th- then there are a couple other states, um, Colorado, West Virginia, if players are over 18, like New Jersey. Um, a couple other states actually just kind of touch upon the fringes of esports, but don't really uh, address it straight on. So, for example, Maryland, they have, a, they have a law that says an esport tournament organizers may offer prizes so long as the dominant element in the outcome um, of the match is a relative skill of the player. So it kind of goes back to that, um, is it skill, is it chance? And so might even not be gambling at that point. Um, Iowa, they also have online sports betting, but the AG's office there, the attorney general's office in that state, has said that that does not include esports. Uh, adding, to the, adding to the fuel to the proverbial fire, uh, that is, is esports a sport debate? Um, so I'll let that one uh linger for a little bit. (laughs) I know that's a fun one that people like to just skip over, but it actually has some serious ramifications sometimes in esports gambling uh, conversations. Other states like Indiana has actually banned it. Whether they'll change their mind one day, who knows? Uh, But as states are considering gambling on sports generally, um, some of those states actually, whether or not esports is included is a big question mark. Um, Arkansas, Michigan, Rhode Island, Montana, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, to name a few. So it's a big, there's a, this is a big, uh, it depends answer ultimately. And that's kind of what this whole episode is about. But uh, yeah. we expect a lot of movement, you know, that, that there's going to be a lot of activity over the next year as sports, online sports betting has is increases. You know, I think eventually it'll in- include esports as well. Yeah, it's it's only a matter of time. That it's following all the other trends. It's uh, it's a matter of of when, not if. But you know, the takeaway is that it, there's no one size fits all option. And even if you mapped out how everything worked today, it might be different tomorrow. It's almost certain to be different by the end of the year. So uh, you, you got to keep your eye on the moving target. And we're only focused on winners of the matches, right? That's not the only kind of betting. If anything, that might even that's not right. be the most popular betting that's done. There's other concepts in the marketplace to consider, such as um, related to gameplay, really. First first one to get a kill, how long the match lasts, duration, uh, whether or not certain point spreads are met, head-to-head you know, combat between two players, and also right. betting on skins, which is really very much gambling when you're just kind of throwing in your skins to try to get better skins. Uh, so yeah. some of that has already been actually regulated, like the, the, the skins betting. Um, and it's been seen by our marketplace here, but a lot of this is still new. So we're, we're, we're whole, the whole episode's about just who wins or loses, but there's other pieces to it as well to keep in mind. And that's just in the U S right. Generally, uh, most of the betting that we're seeing is, uh, on just match winners or, or, you know, full tournament winners. 
And in that regard, the betting has to start before the match or tournament. I'm sorry, the betting must cease before the match or tournament begins. But like Steve said, um, there's a lot of creativity out there. And just like you see all sorts of creative betting on, on sports matches, whether spread or, um, you know, the uh, number of interceptions or all sorts of individual stats. Uh, I think those you're going to start to see more and more of those over time as well. Yeah. And, and this is where, again, we're, this episode is about the U.S., regulations in the US by comparison is a really restrictive place. Uh, the international scene is much more welcoming of o- online esports betting. In fact, the Isle of Man and Malta have have approved online esports have approved esports betting like structures and 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 commissions, right? One of the largest pretty sophisticated. Exactly. Yeah. One of the largest esports betting companies in the world, Unicorn, is regulated by the Isle of Man, for example. So and and, and to operate legally Companies like that need to go abroad uh, under those regular, you know, under those jurisdictions and operate in certain places that the betting is allowed. So that's kind of where we are currently. And a lot of the reason for that actually relates to match integrity, which is something we we discussed earlier. So Nick, why don't you just give us a brief rundown of match integrity and why it relates to esports betting? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you know, anytime people are going to be betting on the outcome of of tournaments or, or skill based games, then you know, match fixing is a big concern because you want the integrity to be there. You don't, you want your bet to mean something and, and you want your research and your analysis uh, to be genuine and not just based on some backroom deal. So just like gambling regulators generally conduct thorough investigations of, of the gambling operations in their jurisdiction, uh, we've seen the same type of thing um, with the fledgling esports betting industry. For, uh, for example, New Jersey famously uh, seriously vetted the League of Legends World Championship finals before allowing them, uh, as the exception to the exception, to be betted on. Uh, You may recall we've talked about certain famous match-fixing events in the past. It's thankfully rare, but it does happen. Uh, To me, far and away, the most interesting uh, event of that uh, involves uh, StarCraft II players, Life and BB Young, who, you know, life was regarded as um, almost, it's, it's hard to find agreement among um, internet people, especially StarCraft II gamers, but uh, <laughs> most people agreed at one point that he was one of the best players in the entire world, even when he was only 15. And he ended up going down for uh, match fixing. He won over $70,000 apparently for throwing two games, uh, or 70,000 uh, Korean won. Uh, but how much in dollars? He ended up you know, I don't know. It's a good I don't Jeopardy have my, question. my wand a dollar calculator on me, <laughs> but uh, I I would um, not want to have to give that up. Right. And ultimately, uh, after the investigation and the uh, prosecution, life was sentenced to 18 months in prison. That's a year and a half in prison for throwing a couple games, and he had to give back the money that he got. The the audience really can't doesn't understand how how sad you were when this news was was released because you know nick had to take his life posters down from his room uh he was so upset when this you were shook to the core uh when this happened poor guy uh but you know this is out of events like this uh third party organizations have actually been formed to help police the scene because it is a big deal and the only way esports gambling is going to move forward is if there's uh, if if match fix, match fixing is addressed and integrity is introduced and upheld, right? Uh, and so there's the esports. It has to be legitimate and it has to look legitimate, right? And that's why you so, have like the esports integrity coalition among others. And but just uh, a side note, uh, interesting tidbit, Nick. 
StarCraft II was the number six top 10 esports bet of 2020. Just to kind nice. of give you, uh, you know, it's not dead yet kind of No dead feel. game here. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, some other... All the people are betting on the 12 people still playing <laughs> that game. Life is, is life back? I don't know. I haven't checked, but he might be. Uh, other no, times... I think he's out of prison now, so. <laughs> Other times, uh, gambling comes up in gaming. Uh, loot boxes is one. We've talked about it before. Is it gambling? Question mark. That's the big, you know, debate. Is it consideration, chance, and prize? Some countries have said yes. Some countries have said no. Uh, prize is oftentimes in this particular instance where this would fail, whether or right. not loot box and engaging in it results in a prize. Um, but having a market and, where and, you and can- And that's determined, yeah, that's determined a lot by whether you can trade it, right? Exactly. If it's something so, you want personally mm -hmm. that's viewed differently than something you can then go and sell to somebody else. Right. So what you most often find is in the terms of service of these companies that have the game, you know, this particular virtual currency carries no value. It, so they can maybe undermine that, that prize definition um, or that prize element. But then- there's other games, classically CSGO, which had a third-party marketplace that they supported uh, that would allow for the trading and selling of certain items, hence why some people have called them gambling. So uh, right. then you also have- Some people, including the FTC. Yeah, you know, some people, <laughs> some people. Uh, you also have uh, games that work with in-game currency and that kind of have a, a gambling feel, whether that be a classic casino-style game um, Big Fish Casino case comes to mind, recently decided out of Washington. Uh, and in that case, um, you have an instance where if you have an illegal gambling activity, it's not regulated or that the, the activity is not operating pursuant to a, a license, then what you might have is an instance where some states allow the person who lost the money to get their money back from the house. It's like a punishment kind of law uh, for, for acting that way. And so in this instance, that's what happened. Um, and the, the legal analysis boiled down to whether or not the, the virtual currency used to buy the, you know, to play the game, whether that had any value. And even though the chips didn't, uh, there was a mechanism for transferring chips between users, which could be considered like cashing uh -oh. out winnings, right? right. Uh, and, and so uh, because those chips could be exchanged uh, and that they extended the privilege of playing time, uh, the court actually said they fell within the definition of a thing of value, i.e. consideration under uh, Washington law. So that was an interesting and big case for the gambling and, and gaming industry uh, in particular. So just it's, it's a fast moving space. And because it's fast moving, lots of moving parts and so many different opinions on how to handle it, that creates risk. And so uh, you might be wondering whether or not uh, the reward of running an illegal gambling operation is worth the risk. That's that's like the big risk, right? That's the well, first. What's your professional advice on that? Steve? I can't give it. So because we said that this is not where we offer advice, and we're going to stick to that, and we're just going to move on to just issue spot, right? Issue spot. So you know, I just want to point this other one out because it came out in the in the big fish case. But you know, in addition to just getting in trouble with a regulator. You could get tagged in one of these states that have laws allowing people to who have lost money uh, gambling to sue the house back for their money. Um, you know, that's just not something that oftentimes so people are aware of. that's independent of criminal liability. Yeah, right? you might get tagged with both of them. You're, you're running right. an illegal gambling operation and the person who lost their money wants their money back and has a statute that allows for it. So lots of different things to consider. Um, and ultimately, 
you know, and we didn't even get into where the pro- payment processor gets in you know, trouble. There's a whole statute that regulates them. If they're participating in illegal gambling, they could get in trouble. So then they stop processing your payments. And so there's risk there. Anyway. All the way up and down the chain. There's a lot of risk. We could go on forever. Yeah. Not going to. But Nick, why don't, but, you, why don't you cap it off with the future and how it's looking in this space? Yeah. So the bottom line is uh, keep an eye on this. Uh, history has taught us that where people compete, people end up betting on it. So it's natural that as the competitive esports industry continues to experience its dramatic growth, uh, so will the related gambling community uh, that that it is going to be based on it. So um, that's not going away. Uh, but as more interest and money is generated, do look for more controversies and regulation. Uh, the patchwork state-by-state regulation that we described may be outdated even by the time this podcast recording goes live. And Certainly by this time next year, the state-by-state landscape is going to look very different than it does right now. Uh, can't really predict exactly what it's going to look like other than probably not going to be uniform, and you're going to want to really know what the uh, the rules are in your jurisdiction. Well done. Well said. But that brings us to the end of our episode, and want to thank you to our former co-host, regular contributor, Nick Brown, for joining us today. Thank you so much. To our thank listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Oh, well, thank you. I'd, I'd, I'd say plug something, but you know, Nick doesn't do anything else that's interesting other than uh, be a regular contributor on this podcast. So uh, my, my mixtape isn't done yet. Okay, we'll be we'll be waiting for you to tell us when it lands. Uh, be sure to check out other episodes of our season one and season two of the podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, or on our webpage, landpartylawyers.com. Um, We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and opinions about the topics we cover. So if you have them, please reach out. And until next time. Game on. Game on. You've been listening to the Land Party Lawyers podcast series with Steve Blickensturfer. To learn more about our e-gaming and esports practice, visit carltonfields.com. This podcast is intended for general information and educational purposes only and should not be relied on as if it were advice about a particular fact situation. The distribution of this podcast is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship with Carlton Fields. Thanks for listening.